0: it's not a big deal it's it a very a big,
1: deal. big deal it's not a big
0: deal
2: but i tell you what it's more of a big deal because in the minutes <coughs> prior to recording you were polishing it with the cuffs of your sweater
1: it had got slightly fingerprinty and that i didn't want people like thinking.
2: like the vince lombardi trophy for the super bowl shiny until literally seconds after it appears and then completely fingerprinted loads loads of mucky athletes yeah. get their, get their, their paws on it
3: you're treating this trophy like a man who's won lots of trophies would treat a trophy
1: just, just cleaning knows. it with the, the, with your cuff. You know, you well, need something proper
3: to buff it with. If it is your first award,
1: you be you be. It's <laughs> not so much that; it's that I've come straight from the train tin, so I I, and yeah. I don't carry polish with me. But you should have expected huh. to win this trophy, so you should have carried a, a, a buffing cloth. I didn't expect to win it in the slightest. I was we um, did. I was slightly uh, put out at the thought that I kept trying to think. I kept thinking during the dinner, should I have something in mind to kind of say or to some answers to questions but i just kept thinking well now i won't need this there's no point wasting time i'll keep on chatting to friend and rival miguel delaney
2: he meanwhile during your long answers in that chat was, was scribbling, scribbling down notes had
1: a long <laughs> speech it was all about how much he hated man city and uh, who, who
2: had the best magnanimous
0: face when your name was read I out? I think... Uh, Miguel or I was Jack?
1: Sat, sat opposite Miguel... sat next to Miguel and opposite Jack and we were we trying to kind of distrust that we would all be equally delighted for each other had if, if we'd won. I didn't mean it. I'd have still been furious. Uh, so I think they were both extremely magnanimous. I can, I can fault them at not at all. Because I
0: can imagine you were then suddenly up on your feet flipping the bird at the losers and giving it <laughs> some, you know, Just gave everyone, Did you glare at anyone? Gave, so as
1: if to say, there you go. Gave everyone in the room the finger. Did you? And Did uh, you moonwalk across the stage? <laughs> strutted up the stage. Uh... She rather clamorly shook Sam Quack's hands. The clamminess was mine, not hers. She was dry as a bone. Uh, and <laughs> the, um, the, yeah, and then answered some <laughs> questions from James Richardson in a f- fairly nonsensical way.
2: Uh, they were tweeted out by the official... Uh, yeah, I, don't, me I mean, not everything's content these days, isn't it? It's very upsetting. It was very useful for the likes of everybody else who was following the FSA Awards via the FSA Awards uh Twitter.
1: To be fair, the FSA awards were more interesting than Brighton versus Crystal Palace. (laughs) Where is this trophy going to live in the Smith household? Well, the problem is, Jinch, that we are currently thinking about moving house, as you know. Is it going to come with you? Uh, Kate will be furious. <laughs> <Good>. that <I've laughs> You're going to leave the bar. <laughs> Kate's Kate's been on this whole kind of Here thing are the keys about the <laughs> champagne and an FSA award. Yeah. It's a useful doorstop. Kate had been on this uh, on the, on this whole thing of how you know we're kind of in the stage of we're eating the freezer, so everything that's in the freezer we just have to have dinner from the freezer. It doesn't matter whether it goes or anything like that. She's trying to get rid of as much stuff as possible. We've been we've done like three tip runs. We've given stuff to the charity shop. She's going to be furious that I brought not only a trophy. It's not massive, but it's extraordinarily heavy. Uh, as Chinch is demonstrating
2: by breaking, not I believe Toby the trophy, but Stephen's table.
1: It is made of pure osmium, the heaviest of the metals. Uh, it's not osmium. Really. Is, osmium. That, is that a real thing? It's yeah. Named after Leon Osman.
3: <laughs> yeah. Is it similar
1: to kryptonite?
3: Is that similar real? to kryptonite,
1: but designed for osmium? Designed to weaken Leon osman what,
3: What's <laughs> the what's the osmium? What what is it on the on the periodic table? What how is osmium? OS? Uh, OM.
1: How, do they have vowels in the periodic table? <laughs> they do, yeah. 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 Uh, A-U is Au is gold, gold. famously. F-E, iron. Yeah. They're the two. Ferrous metal. They're, they're the, they're My science teacher
2: the when I was in school called, called me Ferrous and made loads of jokes about me being metallic. Banter. I know. Hashtag bants when they you're are 11 very, years You are years <laughs> very rusty, aren't <laughs> you? Um, so no, it'll,
1: it'll, <laughs> it will, basically, it'll probably go in a box for a bit and then we'll, um, we'll move house. Because it is a thing of beauty.
2: It's, it's it nice. is, it's, it's glorious. It's had a chinch cuff buff now. It's had a chinch cuff buff, a yes. super dry cuff buff.
3: The trouble is, you, you hold it with one hand to buff it, and that leaves fingerprints. So you oh, hold yeah. it with the other hand to buff it, so it's constantly going to be covered with it fingerprints. It is a Sisyphean challenge. Well, this is a seven cap wonder fingerprints all over the trophy, so that it's is, enhancing its, it's value. Like it's, been ble- it's, yeah. like it's been blessed. It has.
2: Congratulations, Rory, on being Thanks, the writer of the That's year. That's very kind. Um, apparently, because Rory won, it meant the chinch couldn't. And yes. that was just, you know. Hang on a
3: minute, hang on a minute. Writer of the year, Raymond Smythe. <laughs>
1: I just went. To, I went to the Ronald Awards ceremony. <laughs> do, you know,
3: do you know the guy when, when he realizes who's won when the, 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 the FA Cup and they, they start beavering away? Don't they? they they've clearly Raymond Smythe. It wasn't who's done he? live.
1: They didn't engrave it live. <laughs> oh, did they not? No. Well, they've got it wrong.
2: <laughs> this is set piece many the podcast where four friends talk football over food. Joining me, Hugh Ferris. are Rory Smith. Tis the season. Stephen Wye. 2B and Andy Hinchcliffe injured oh. <laughs> we have a spread of not only Nikki Hinchcliffe brownies mm, Yeah, um, are these beetroot ones like the live show or are these slightly different it's you up to you know. to find out by eating them you don't know and also some Stollen which uh, has been provided uh, via the Fusion Deli in Didsbury which is less homemade but um
3: it's the criminal's uh, favourite dessert, isn't it? Because it's, uh, cause it's <laughs> stolen. Nice. stolen. Nice start. Uh, do
2: get in touch uh, with the podcast at Set Piece Menu on Twitter, Menu at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook as well. Ray George has been in touch, this time without any update on the New York City subway. Hi, gents. Thanks again for another great discussion regarding our focus on managers. You'll remember that we did that a while ago. Uh, he says, writing this note just after learning that Marco Silver is departing Everton. While I am relatively recent adopter of slash obsessive about the EPL... I do notice that compared to many US sports leagues, for example, there is much more focus on the role of the manager in the Premier League that likely outstrips their potential impact. From my limited experience, there seem two key areas, and ones that are particularly sensitive to this particular West Ham fan, where the manager can and should have an impact. One, can they make the most of the players that they have been given? Two, can they make individual players better. Lastly, I want to thank Rory for the dissection of West Ham as a crisis club in SPM 154, which is when we had this uh, discussion. As after this analysis, the Hammers pulled off a shock win against Chelsea. In my superstitious mind, this depressingly accurate critique had some kind of reverse psychological effect on the results the following weekend. May I kindly ask for more disparaging remarks in advance of the upcoming fixtures to help us escape the relegation zone. Thanks in advance for your help from Ray. So do we think that rather than putting up negative
0: headlines in the dressing room before that Chelsea West Ham game Manuel Pellegrini just suggested all of his players listen to our podcast I've heard a rumor so there that there you go there's your team talk lads I've
1: heard a rumor that Aaron Cresswell is mm. a is a devotee of uh relatively niche football podcast set piece menu
0: when
3: he scored you see in his celebration was he, was, yeah. he was sticking it to towards mainly you Rory yeah absolutely yeah.
2: so can they make the most of the players they've been given and can they make individual players better is that where the impact can be felt the isn't most that
1: a,
3: isn't that a manager coach's
1: remit <laughs> yes but it's, what, it's something that we forget and I was funny if I was with a man that can only be described as a leading out of work European football manager just last week is it Carlton Palmer it was not Carlton Palmer Okay, it'll become clear tomorrow it was Massimiliano Allegri and he... It's kind of clear now, but... Yeah. Why did you do that? I don't Have know. the mystery, the mystery, the mystery, and then told us who it just, was. Should we just stick with the mystery? It's like Scooby-Doo and just yeah. giving
3: you who the culprit is, is in that the guy? first two minutes. <laughs> it's
1: pointless. But it just occurred to me that if it's, the interview, the, by the time people hear this, the interview will be written and will be about to be published. So there's no point in having mystery. But his view was that we kind of overlooked that element of, of a manager's job, that basically all you're there to do is to make individual players better and to provide a framework in which they can shine. And he's very much of the mind that all the other stuff is kind of window dressing. And I, I, think, I think I'm inclined to agree with that, that. that's We don't talk a lot. We talk a lot about scouting. We talk a lot about kind of philosophy. But we don't talk a vast amount about coaching and, and how good the individual level of coaching from, from managers has to be. Do, and do the head coach coach, basically? It, it less and less, I think, but it's, mm. it, it, it it is very important.
0: The, the requirements to make the players you have better seems to have fallen off a bit of a cliff edge in terms of the just elite the, level. Managers. The obsession with signing players. Yeah.
2: Uh, Simon Trina has a little VAR-related ditty. He'll be pleased to know. Hi all, I can sympathise with your irritation at phrases like "the goal was prevented by VAR." Do You remember <laughs> some of the headlines that we mentioned uh, a couple of weeks ago, and in fact, I think it's a problem that predates the technology. For years now, whenever a shot hits the woodwork, there's a good chance it'll be summed up with something along the following lines. He was denied by the post. Mm. The crossbar got in the way. The upright saved them again. No, says Simon. The frame of the goal delineates it. It does not prevent goals. It doesn't move in the way of a shot. And if it does, this is surely a bigger priority than marginal offsides. This act of what we can only call gateway punditry has been going on for years. And if only we'd nipped it in the bud earlier, we could have saved Stephen a lot of distress. That's from Simon. It's
1: interesting the idea that maybe the... The frame of the goal has agency, isn't it? Like the post is thinking, "I do not like you, Aaron Cresswell. You are don't. This shot is going to be blocked by me."
0: There's an awful lot of people who are going to seriously have to rethink the way that they deal with those situations during a commentary.
1: But the, the, the frame of the goal is is not on
3: target, isn't it? You haven't it's hit wide. the target. It's wide. No. Yeah. It, it's wide of the target. Mm. Yeah. People go, "Well, of course it's on target." Yeah, but it, it isn't, is it? The target is what you're trying to get the ball into. If you hit the frame of the target, that it clearly isn't on target. It's
1: like when you're doing archery. Yeah. If you hit the board. As you do. Have you done archery? I've done archery. I've really? I've, I've been to centre parks. Everybody's Seriously, tried archery yeah. at centre parks. Yeah. Really? good and, and Creef Hydro. And what? Creef Hydro. That, oh, I that, don't even know what that like is. That sounds like Biffy Clyro. Yeah, it does. <laughs> uh, similar, same country, it's <laughs> in Scotland, very different to Biffy Clyro. Oh, right, okay. Uh, although similarly shirtless for much of the time. Anyway, if you hit the, the bit of paper outside the circle in archery. Don't get any points or whatever you get in archery. Zero mm. points. Zero points. No, point, no for, point for hitting that bit. You want to get your stuff in the red, yellow and blue bit, yeah. don't you? You mm. are as accurate as
2: a British Eurovision entry mm. if you hit that yeah. outside of the target. Uh, this is also, by the way, Stephen, the first time that we've been together since those uh, Chris Wilder post-Newcastle comments where he said that it was an absolute disgrace and he was, uh, VAR was ruining his enjoyment of the game rather than the fact that it was the Sheffield United defence who just stopped because the flag went up and John Joe Shelby scored uh, a crucial second goal well, in that well, yes, game. If Anything to say about that? Well, or? no, no.
0: But if, if we're talking about getting the vernacular right, then basically what Chris Wilder was saying is, the rules of the game are ruining the game for me. Mm. But that's a, that
1: is an in terms of handball and offside, is how I feel. I feel that the rules of the game are
0: ruining the game for me. Have we got time for a quick Sadio Mane-related offside rant? Can you do it in 20 seconds? I can. There was absolutely no controversy whatsoever about Sadio Mane, Sadio Mane being declared offside at the weekend, he was offside. He looked offside, Steve McManaman said immediately in commentary, I think he's offside. Yet for some reason, because the technology made him look slightly closer to one side than it appeared at the first instance, everybody
2: was outraged that he was declared to be offside. That was actually almost exactly 20 seconds. Um- you have all been particularly engaged over the last few days um, in particular, so thank you for all your suggestions for which goal that you'd like erased from your memory oh, so yeah. that you can watch mm. it again for the first time. <laughs> uh, we go back now to Stephen, who has been rewarded for having such an excellent idea with the task of filtering through all of the suggestions. So here's a little snippet, and we will filter them in over the course of the oh, next few weeks. I was going to drop them
0: so I wasn't ready for this. So I've just, I've, I've, I've launched it up on my phone. It's all, uh, oh, it's all, it's all ready. So uh, you kind of are ready for uh, it. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I've, I've noted that. down. Uh, Angrad Vittel on Twitter said, Messi chip versus Betis, and Ronaldo versus Arsenal, which he declared as being too far for Ronaldo to even think about it. I love the goals that come when you don't think it's possible. Good balance there, Stephen Messi and mm-hmm. Ronaldo. Dr Mohamed El Salah, Kaká's second goal against Manchester United at Old Trafford. No other goal can compare.
2: We've also had an extraordinary amount of correspondence about SPM 156. On last week's episode, we considered those who'd failed to match the hype surrounding them. As young players, we will attempt to bring them together in a select 11 before the festive season is out. Thank you for all the names that you brought to our attention. Here are just a couple that merit further discussion. Brief discussion, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Brief discussion. 20 seconds? Dean Gilbert, if you can, mm. and you're very good at time because you're welcome. Television, Chinch. I do, I do. I do. Mm. Dean Gilbert on Twitter says Antonio Cassano, bought by Roma at oh. 19 for 30 million in 2001, played for big clubs but never reached his potential.
1: Oh, the pastry man. <laughs>
2: the pastry the man. Pa- the
1: pastry and sex man.
2: I, I happen to think that I have filtered these because I think they're excellent suggestions. Did Antonio Cassano waste his talent
1: or did he make the most of it by having loads of pastries and loads of sex?
2: What? because he was talented at both pastry eating and the sex.
1: I, I don't know if, if there's ever been a more gifted pastry eater born <laughs> than Antonio Cassano. Cassano's a good shout, actually, because he, he was meant to be kind of a, the, you know, the, the leading light of Italian football and it didn't ever quite work out for him. So I would have Cassano as a Bari well-wisher. Antonio Tassano has a special place in my heart following his wondrous debut against Inter.
2: Uh, Geraint says anyone mention Danielson?" Yes Geraint lots of people but you're the one that I get to read out amazing potential, staggering fee, little end product, never reached anywhere near the heights that were predicted for him. But
1: did, did, did I mean I don't want to Take Durant's name in vain, but did danielson have staggering potential? Had anyone actually seen him play football before, before he signed for Betis? Dennis Nielsen. I'm not even sure that Betis had seen him play football before he signed for Betis. I think danielson is a slightly different case, isn't it? It was just that he was a pretty good footballer, who for some reason Betis would essentially tricked into paying a world record fee for thirty million pounds. Or whatever it was. I think it was or twenty-one year. million pounds. Was yeah. There was um, a world record fee at the time. I'm not sure Danielson ever had. He probably lived up to his talent. It's just that people thought. That one Just club thought he had fee. more talent not he did not the up to his fee, And yeah. Dennis
3: Nielsen was started off as a decent left back, but all the serial
1: murder got in the way of his career.
2: <laughs> that was a problem. Mm. I and think reading all
1: this Lee Child has really changed you. <laughs> Do you think so? You've become a lot more bloodthirsty. But he, really? He yeah. started Excellent.
2: reading Lee Child about 20 years ago. But it's obviously seeped Wait a minute, into, his, into, his into his brain. brain.
1: And now he wants Jack to Rich kill is, without remorse. Reach is not blood it's not bloodthirsty. He enjoys it. He's getting
3: off. He the enjoys violence. it. No, but no, it's no, not it's, it's a, not gory and bloodthirsty. A sense of I righteousness. Say. And there's a lot of lovemaking in there which can be gory. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, finally on this, we should, uh, and moving on very quickly, we should plug um, a book by Ryan Baldy uh, called The Next Big Thing, which will make recommended and further reading. Indeed, it'll do a much better job of this whole thing from start to finish, owing to the fact it has been at least partly researched. Uh, he suggests that the Real Madrid defender Rory you, that you were searching for the name for last week was Francisco Pavon. Uh, is that right? No, I don't think it is. All oh, right. Well, in that case, you will uh, wander further onto that. And finally, thanks to Mike, who is Victoria Guna on Twitter, and with this... Becomes our latest buffalo. Well done, Mike. Uh, mm. Mike, have we made you a buffalo before? I'm not entirely sure. There is an issue here that perhaps I didn't foresee, remembering upon whom we bestowed this most honourable title. Mm. I'm not actually sure. We need a spreadsheet. Mike anyway, will Mike... let us know
0: if he's double buffalo. But, don't yes, worry. I
2: don't want a double buffalo. We're we'll back to the gory sex scene. Buffalo. Uh, Mike has tweeted at Seppi's Menu to say So I found this gem this evening in a local second hand bookstore here in Victoria, Canada. Been looking for this book everywhere. Cannot complain it being $9.99 in Canadian dollars. £5.74, he says. For the hard book version, going to be a real good read this weekend. Cheers at Rory Smith. And he includes a picture of what could be described as a slightly tatty version of Mr. In Canada? In Canada.
0: Good Lord. got nothing better to do. You're global. Not only a prestigious award winner, but now your material is being read across at least the Northern Hemisphere. You mean not either, rather than not only.
1: It's like a, a footballing mind camp, really, isn't it? It's really disseminating around the globe now. Uh, that is the, the mm. um, I mean, you can't argue with the numbers. The, um, <laughs> <laughs> the, that is the kind of the publishing inspiration. Is it? Taught, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: SetpieceMenu at gmail.com, at SetpieceMenu, and find us on Facebook. Uh, now, Setpiece Menu is brought to you by Man V Fat. Love playing football? Feeling out of shape? Why are you looking at me? Why why are you you continually looking at me for this? Man v Fat football is a nationwide program that combines football and weight loss. Still looking at Chinch? Man v Fat doesn't preach about the latest fad diets or (coughs) detox teas. They support their guys in finding a way to lose weight that suits their lifestyle, building healthy habits, and getting their bodies moving more. Man v Fat players. Not only score goals on the pitch, but also on the scales every time that they lose weight. This means they can contribute to their team's rise up the league table, no matter what their natural football ability may be. Anybody thinking this is diverted from Chinch yet? But Man V Fat is so much more than just football and weight loss. It's also teamwork, accountability, friendship and fun. And that's where the Chinch comparison ends. Players in Man V Fat leagues across the country have lost over 240,000 pounds of weight... Since 2016, <laughs> Sterling, <laughs> and 90% of players in the program lose weight. To join a league near you, go to manvfatfootball.org. That's all one word, manvfatfootball.org. Or take a look on Twitter, at Man V Fat. Man V Fat, weigh, play, win. I just don't like the way you, you, you said Man V
3: reading your notes and then looked at me and said fat every time but you said fat. Chinch, you,
1: you were looking at Steve throughout.
3: I wasn't. I was looking at Steve for some kind of moral guidance and he's just looking back at me blankly because he say does yeah. blaze classes. He's not carrying any he fat does at what? all. classes? Blaze classes. What's that? It's mm. a
0: high-intensity workout, Rory, involving cardio, Weights yeah. and combat. And leg walls. Combat?
1: Yeah. What sort of combat? Punch bags.
0: Ah, ca- uh, okay. You're combat. not
1: fighting other, other people. <laughs> no, no, but I, I envisage, I envisage <laughs> Chinch's face cardio, when I'm hitting the punch bags. Weights bag. and street fights. You fighting. have
3: to shout, yeah, whoa, and push it through the envelope there, to the max blue sky. That type of thing. Fists
0: into the middle and shouting of Blaze! Oh, that is good, bad. Lord! That is really bad.
1: That—that's a much more effective advert for Man v Fat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, I was yeah, gonna yeah. Say,
2: if you want to a a, sli- a slightly uh, more communal and less weird way of losing weight, but also doing something which is wonderfully good for your sense of community uh, spirit, and you want to be also less like Chinch Man v Fat, <sighs> way, play, win. Man v um, Now let's chat about soccer. We shall need we?
1: to. We need to review the fact we've, we've got an advert. That's that's a big thing. What's our, happened here? Our, we not our, chat our, about soccer. We'll chat, our audience yeah. will notice that we've got an advert mm. it, it, it's pretty glaringly obvious i mean they're,
0: they're, and, and they are fairly well switched on our audience as we've come to understand i mean there are always times when you listen to any podcast
1: when you you know you're you're kind of changing trains or the dogs barking or you're, you're ramming your car into somebody else's <laughs> so maybe it might fall in <laughs> or that. you're
2: punching a bag shouting blaze blaze
1: the um, but I think people will. Will they be pleased for us that we've done an advert Four years? Then who did the deal? Man
3: v Lard. Who, who, who did the, Who did the deal with Man V Lard? Man <laughs> <laughs> of Manvy Man V Fat. Sorry, who, who did the who did the deal with them? Who what do you mean? Who thrashed like, out the deal? Major negotiations Yes, our business manager. Business did you manager. F- Did you get down to London and meet them in a in a travel lodge or something? How did this happen? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's, what happened? Same. It's a business <laughs> negotiation, not an affair. But we
3: weren't. If we weren't involved in this negotiation, Look, were we? We're
1: a talent change.
3: How oh, are we? I see. Uh, yes, well, true. you are. Well, you are.
0: Yeah. Chinch, there's lots of things that go on between one pod and the next that you're not involved in. Yeah. Is there? Yeah.
1: There's a lot of social media goes on. They've got a... Um, yeah. we, we have a WhatsApp group entitled The One Without Chinch, but I think they've got a, a WhatsApp group entitled The One Without Rory and Chinch.
0: You think so? Yeah. That's, <laughs> oh, that's just WhatsApp direct messaging. <laughs> that's oh, true. You would yeah. not need a name for that. <laughs> yes.
2: Just two people. <laughs> just two people. Group. <laughs> just use text. Uh, mm. Now, we're going to spend the next few minutes overusing a word that is already overused, and that is Great. What is great? What does it mean to be great? And how many times can Robbie Savage use the word in the commentary? Is great relative? If Ronaldo and Messi are great, does that mean that nobody else is great? Or is there a threshold that you must reach to be great? And does it apply equally to players, managers and teams? Most importantly, are we great or do we just great? And should the word great (laughs) just be used to describe the amount of times that we already use the word great? It's 11 already in two forms. So there we go. What do we mean by great?
1: This, this, this I think is quite important. Is it's it's one of those recurring and pointless discussions that people have whenever you kind of describe a player as as a great player or world. The other manifestation is world class. That if you say some someone or something or some unit is world class, you'll always get people saying, "Oh, he's not world class," or "They're not world class," or "They're not a great team," or. And it's it's something that I think we're really bad at uh, quantifying at what the bar is to be great. So I had a conversation on the radio not long ago in which Micah Richards. The lovable former Manchester City defender. He was great, wasn't he? Mike, Michael Richards was a great defender. Great defender. The great w- player. Well, no, was he? And I love Michael dearly. Was Michael Richards a great player? I'd th- I say he was a, a. He was a really good. I'm defender. All. But was all professional players great?
2: Well, at this is not Football. This, so this is, is it. That,
3: that Isn't that? Isn't that? You wouldn't be doing it unless you were very good at doing but, it. So but that isn't that great? That is
2: not how the word "great" is no. used. Ah, I see. No. Okay. It's an so understandable logical conclusion that you have reached, Chinch. As and you're, ever, and as you're correct, mm-hmm. and you were, you were great in reaching that conclusion. Thanks. But if somebody reaches a slightly better conclusion yes. during the course of this podcast, mm-hmm. and we call that great, how do we differentiate between the two? Here is the problem: we use it too much. What do we mean when you we can say always say
3: greater? Mm.
1: That tends to be better than great. But I think we. I th- funny if Chinch ha- happens upon a an important point that we can probably all agree on which is that yes, all professional footballers and I would actually say if you've ever played football against someone who's played semi-pro you realise how rubbish you are at football. So Julien Laurent, the French (laughs) journalist is an absolutely extraordinary footballer by general standards. Yeah. Played semi-pro in France I think. He was at various youth academies. You played against Jules or with him you realise how high the bar is to be a good semi pro footballer mm-hmm. so professional even higher than that so i th- i think we have to accept early doors that by great what we're not doing is comparing people to the overall standard of the general population that you are you are that greatness in football applies in relation to your peers, not to everyone. Exactly, as it should
2: be. Because otherwise, if you're comparing somebody who can kick a ball to somebody who can't, it's a bit unfair on the person who can't to say that you're not great. It is once you enter the industry and become a professional footballer, that's when the base level starts. The worst professional footballer is zero, and everything else yeah. builds from those mm-hmm. roots. So the
1: worst, worst professional footballer, you know, there's a lot of people are toddlers, and they're rubbish at football. Exactly,
2: mm-hmm. but we can't say necessarily that, God, he's not great, is he? No, he's so three. But we the conversation are, how are we deciding then? Do, let's, let's talk first about the upper echelons of the I game. I want to
1: use an example, Hugh Ferris. Well, that a is a perfect example. way of
2: getting into this conversation. So on the radio... It's a great way of doing
1: it. Micah Richards said that Jordan Henderson is world-class. And... Well, Mike got quite a lot of stick for it. I got a lot, lot of stick for it from uh, a Manchester Evening News journalist because I didn't disagree with him. So I just, I don't. You I, have to, you have I to don't actively stick by because I let him talk.
0: Have they not explained to you that's why you're on the Monday Night Club? You're there to police the opinions of former footballers. To an extent,
1: but I, but Micah's logic was sound, which is that in certain areas. Jordan Henderson has to be considered world class. They're not, necessar- not necessarily technically; he's not he's not Lionel Messi. You may have noticed, but in terms of leadership, in terms of his tactical discipline, in terms of his game awareness, he has world class traits. And do you put him up against the best? Is that what you well, is that, that how you that's how you what, describe someone as world class? That's or, or great? what made me think. What what is actually the bar for this? Mm-hmm. Is it that? You have to be, you have to, do you have to compare to Messi and Ronaldo to now be considered world classes if you're not as good as In your as position, them.
2: in your position. Right, I mean, you've got to, you've got to, you have we got you can not compare Jordan
1: Henderson to, to Lionel Messi. Th-
2: we uh, are, we are, we are subdividing and that is a different argument and that makes it hard to decide about how, when to use the. But that's, these but that's words, what I would always do with a the player is,
3: is say, well, who is, who would I consider to be the best in that position? And then you kind of gauge
1: someone surely against that against that, that, that highest but standard. But is, is that the bar? Is it, are, are you as good as... Who was the best left-back in the world when you were playing? Maldini, uh, Maldini yeah, yeah, Paolo Maldini. So would would you then have said that Paolo Maldini was the bar for world-class and that you had to be as good as Paolo Maldini to be world-class? Or is it that being world-class is that you are in a, in a whatever percentage of players who are close to Paolo Maldini mm-hmm. and he's just the leading example of world-class?
0: But in the same way as He's you like the can, platonic ideal. Yeah. If you can move the, the bar in relation to the the level of the game that you're talking about. So we're saying, you know, we've defined, right, we're talking about, you know, the highest levels of professional football where we're having this discussion. Surely the bar is able to move throughout the eras depending on what is defining greatness at any one point, because at the moment that's Messi and Ronaldo. And if you're talking about Maldini, well, is there a left-back who we hold currently in as high esteem as we did when he was in his pomp? So is the the bar by which a left-back is defined as great different... Now than it was in the mid 1980s. But, but then you also
1: have a temporal problem. So this doesn't apply to world class. But great has well, it kind of has three three uses, doesn't it? It has a, that he's a great player. She's she's played a great pass. That's a great shot, which is almost a kind of verbal tick, and it me, it just means good. Yeah. It doesn't really mean anything beyond yeah. that that action or that. It's person. because
2: good is damning with faint praise. Yeah. In comparison, so that means that the base level, and we'll come to the commentary part in a moment. Great, great is basically a lazy, as you say, tick to fill a gap to describe something that is good, but you can't say, say good, good because it's an um or, bar or enough, for, isn't it? Yes, great is an an um the, the, the bar for that in that if we're talking about bars, the bar for that is very low. So you you have to say great in just describing something um in of itself without saying anything particular about whether it's good or not.
1: And it's partly because the word good is a bit like the word kick, that it feels like it's not particularly football what's the word, Lit- like literate.
3: We'll
2: come back, we'll come back to the descript- descriptive terms yeah. for, for, for in-game so you, action. And so yeah. ha- I, I,
3: I do feel I've changed the way that I describe things now. Because uh, you don't want back to say of, Off the back, of, yeah, because there's, because everything, okay, let's, let's everything is, good, is great. Let's so again do not No, 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 now. I have to do it. But I'm, it is it's a really interesting point. And I, I have started to explain things differently yeah. or use different words to explain them because you can't just say... Because everything would be great, wouldn't it? And you can't exactly. keep saying great so every sentence that you... By the you frequency
2: that you use it, you are undermining its significance. The validity of it, Okay, yes, so that, that, it. that's the, the kind of the commentary tick. Um, let's move that then, argument on to so, players. So, so then you have the, the,
1: the temporal issue, which is yes. that you have great players now, but also a great... Has a historical context, so if you're, you try kind to of connect to people. An Everton people.
2: great, for example, is something that you probably not used mm. to describe. <laughs> you I were probably used to describe. An I incident. certainly
3: was not great. Anyway, no, but were on. you
2: a great because of the contributions that you made to Everton?
3: Uh, apart from winning the 1995 FA cup that's myself, the only way it pretty special
0: at the mm. risk of missing an opportunity to mock chinch in some people's mm. eyes having helped everton exactly. win their most exactly. recent trophy immediately defines chinch as an everton ah. great because he is part of
2: that group so everton's lack of success has really played into my hands exactly yeah. yeah, superb yeah, yeah. uh, with it, we, again it's a frequency issue if if mm. everton have several more greats over the course of the next 10 to 15 years they'll completely forget about you but there is there is an element if, if there they not already if, if we <laughs> if we're talking about about this bar, which it was an excellent example that Stephen brought out about Paolo Maldini. You've got a situation with Jordan Henderson as you brought up Rory, mm. where Jordan Henderson could be considered world-class or great because of his position, which is what Chinch was saying about subdividing it into that category because it's silly to compare Jordan Henderson and Leo Messi. Yeah. But also you've got the advantage for Jordan Henderson is that he is playing in a position that currently you cannot actually conjure up in your mind that many examples of players who play in that position who are better than him. So were, were we in an era when the Ronaldo and the Messi were both industrious central midfielders, then Jordan Henderson would perhaps suffer as a result Jordan of that Henderson comparison because they were in his position. So that's another temporal issue.
1: So there's two, there's two issues with, with Henderson that I think are quite interesting. One is whether you can have world-class traits without inherently being world-class, whatever we mean by that. And we need to kind of establish... We, kind of, we won't ever establish what we mean by world-class, but you need to establish that you... Don't know what you mean by it—that it's a sort of fluid, it's a, it's a fluid kind of evasive, elusive definition. So it's interesting to, to think: can you have world-class traits, particularly if they're not technical, if they are the more unseen side of the game, and how much that should be balanced out with, um, with, with the technical side. But it's also interesting that so Henderson, Jordan Henderson now is not as good as Xavi and Iniesta in their prime. So when in, when those two were playing. Jordan Henderson probably wouldn't have met the bar for world class midfielder. But you're right. Now you look you look around and you think, well, he's a Champions League winning captain, he's captained his country. I'm not saying this as some sort of Jordan Henderson like loyalist, but if you if you can be a Champions League winning captain, an international captain with I think over fifty caps for England, who's who's playing for one of the world's elite teams, and people find the idea that you might be world class, you can disagree with it. But people find to, to find that laughable is a bit weird because, you, just as Chinch says, if we accept by definition that all professional footballers are really good at football,
2: the idea that you... And those re- at the top of the game are really, really good at football. football.
1: <laughs> and then you, you take someone who is not only at the top of the game and has been for 10 years playing for one of the biggest clubs in the world, but is now the captain of that club and has been part of a successful winning team, you sort of think, well, w- what else do you need to do to be considered a, a I guess, a modern... Great. A great of his micro-era.
0: Longevity and sustained success surely come into the conversation. If Liverpool were to back up their Champions League triumph of last season, do it again this season, and win the Premier League, then the parameters for the conversation regarding Jordan Henderson change, surely.
2: Because, but, that's, but that's a different thing because that's about his team's success reflecting yeah. upon him rather than the, the beginning of the conversation which was about his particular world-class abilities in the position in which he plays.
0: But Diego Maradona's greatness is defined by the fact that he led Argentina to
2: the 86 World Cup and what he achieved with in Napoli. terms of winning the Scudetto with Napoli. But he has both. Yeah, but in terms If of you his, have one or the other, can you still have this, this name thrust upon you?
0: But in terms of his longevity at the... The top level of the game, he falls considerably shorter than what Messi and Ronaldo are yep. continuing to achieve. My so case, doesn't everybody? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. But that, that's that's, well, the, that's but that's so a
1: really interesting point that I think Messi and Messi and Ronaldo have completely, completely kind of recalibrated, redefined. Yeah. Re- recalibrated, redefined. Good word change. Well done. Thanks. What was we my mean? My word, also good. Recalibrated was actually even better. Yes, but Less, of, just less just of a surprise. It's A bit of engineering, <laughs> the, course, wasn't it? But that they've completely changed the whole parameter of the discussion, because now we, we, we see... But surely you have to take them out of the
3: equation now. They're that, they're that good, well, but actually it's pointless, but it, but pointless it, putting a player up against Maradona or Cruyff or Platini or Messi. They're, they're so good that they are kind of the gods of football, but, aren't they now? But it, so
1: really you cannot ever get close the, to those type of players. But the problem is, I know what you mean, but the problem is that it, it does naturally change your expectation level of what greatness, in inverted commas, should look like. Or, the, or
3: they've taken it to, those players taken it to a whole new level
0: yeah. that
1: footballers shouldn't really be capable of doing what they're doing. No, it's, until, until then, what they were doing was impossible. Yeah.
0: If we had competent officials in 1986, or VAR, would Diego Maradona be considered as great as he is?
2: Maybe not. Possibly not, yeah. without, Possibly that, not. without that World Cup win on his CV, but he might have been below, a, it just a, a still cheating still handballing ball. <laughs> but, but a notch below what we consider him as now is still pretty high up yeah absolutely the, I'm, you know I'm not trying to states. undermine
0: Maradona I'm just trying to say it, it, that you, you, you can, what you achieve in terms of silverware has got to go some way to define defining if, the level at which you are judged to have reached
1: that's and, a really interesting that we, should, we could do a whole pod on that on things that need to have happened to, to like fundamentally change how we perceive but, all of football history so if they'd have had doubling up in 1953. Would Stanley Matthews be a great? <laughs>
3: Probably not. But also in terms of like positionally, Jordan Henderson, players like Wilfred and Didi, what they do for players around them as well is world class. They do facilitate other players to have the freedom to express themselves and be and look even better. And that goes completely under the radar. But again, that's a positional thing, a formational thing, where players like Henderson who do all this work that that players appreciate, coaches appreciate, fans say, well, you're not creating goals, you're not scoring goals. But what they do for the team is enormous in the functioning of the team. But is that still, can that still be considered world-class, being that player that enables other great players, attacking players to, to, to come to the fore? Do we say, Well you're actually just doing your job but clearly you're not as talented and he said, Well I'm not clearly I'm not as talented as, as James Madison or anyone else but if I do my role really well, he can play well, the, with the freedom that he wouldn't get with anyone else. The
2: cliched origin of that argument was Claude McAuley for the Galacticos yeah, yeah, yeah. for Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. And he was probably the first to, to, to have praise shone upon him for it doing exactly that But his, is he considered world-class? He yeah, would have McAuley, been would at have that been time. He and is Golo still, And Golo yes. Conte? De- absolutely. World-class. And they are both, d- to take those two examples, both considered a great and great. What I'd like to try and drill down on is the difference between a great and great. There seems to be a difference there? Because, for example, as Steve was saying about the, the success that you can help contribute to might make you a great because of your association with a period of time in that club or that international team's uh, life that you you were instrumental to or even just part of. Well, it's something, but, it's something
0: it's something tangible to demonstrate your greatness.
2: But would you say, for example, if you were to take that 1986 Argentina team, which were elevated massively by Diego Maradona's greatness, could you say that Perchaga was great. Could you pick out te- t- team members of great teams who have been populated by greats? Can you call them all great?
1: Well, you look at the Brazil 1970 team, and you go, Pele, a great. Tostao, a great. Jairzinho, a great. Clodoaldo, Maybe not quite a made-up name. Claudio <laughs> was the holding midfielder. Stephen <laughs> Bolton. Who were the other two? Who were the other Rivolino and Gerson. <laughs> so the they it. had the the team, of, the team of the tens, and you had Carlos those, Alberto. Those five. Carlos Alberto eight great. Mm-hmm. Although I do, wonder, I do I mean I do wonder with Carlos Alberto that is that it, goal. Is it just one goal?
2: But, but you're talking about eight great which is because of their significance in that team, are, are they also individually, as players, and this, this no, is the I mean. Henderson argument, are they also, because of what they do, and because of their technical ability, and because of their skill, are they also individually, on their own merits, regardless of the team environment, are they great? Yes,
1: but this, the, the parallel I was drawing go. was those five, the famous five, Giorginho, Rivellino, Tostao, Pelé, and Gerson, all great, nouns capital G. Clodo Aldo, probably a great player, not a great. Mm-hmm.
2: So that, yeah, you can... No, he's not... As the, even though the, he's Boricardor associated and Valdano. with 1970 Brazil, yeah. which is the great, one of the greatest teams of all time, even though he was associated with that success, you're not giving him a great because of his contribution. Not,
1: not in the same way as Jairzinho or Rivlino or Pe- Pelea. Mm-hmm. Same with 86. Boricardo and Valdano, great players, not... Great capital G. It's, it's small G capital G. That's the difference, and it's that that that's true of of every team. I suppose that you, yeah, that the, the noun should be reserved for specific players. But that's known so messi- within
3: the team as well. Players know players, yeah. so they'll know that p- clearly. Pele w- would be the great in team. You're that all right, you. Yeah, y- you're, this you're guy's okay. all right. We've got a fair chance of winning the World Cup with you, Pele. But again, players know. I think they you know him, your place. They called and you him know Peel.
2: They called him Peel. Peel, did they? And everybody afterwards, the yeah. whole kind of marketing exercise yeah. made him sound a little bit more flowery and mm-hmm. fancy. It's and not as if Pele. players will get
3: upset that they're not all great. They can't all be greats with a capital G. They do accept
1: that where they sit in the pantheon of, of footballers. I've got a better example. Barcelona. Guardiola's Barcelona. Much more modern. So you go through that team, basically, they are all greats with a capital G. So Puyol, a great. PK, a great. Sergi Busquets, a snide. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, with a capital S. <laughs> with a capital S. A, an Atterveld. <laughs> and Atterveld. Um, all the hits at Christmas. <laughs> and uh, the Messi, obviously, and David Villa. Pedro, really important to that team, has won literally everything. Not a great.
2: But would you great. call him a great player? He's a
1: great player. Pedro's yeah, a great yeah. player, right. yes. but he's not a great. Mm-hmm. So it's... I mean, that's, that, that, that Barca team probably is... Danny Alves? Yeah, a great. Yeah, Danny
2: Alves. So if we, we can make... Um, Jordi Albert, I, a great. I think we can make a determination based on a great. That seems to be a, uh, something that we can apply either during the last stages of their career or... Straight away, if they're brilliant, but um, no, I that, think it has that to is be, the it one has that has to be late. But yeah. do, think think but have do to re- we? It's more reflective. What we're trying to discuss now is during a player's career, how do we determine whether they are a great player? We've sorted out it's based entirely a great, on, which
1: t- on which team we support.
2: <laughs> exactly, and th- that's the point that, that you're trying to make. I would imagine about Jordan Henderson about the fact that uh, the reaction to Jordan Henderson would be from those who don't necessarily like Liverpool Henderson because they, do- they don't like the idea of somebody like Henderson being called world-class player because they would have all their, all, all their own team's players who they feel is technically just as good as Jordan Henderson but they feel that he's been elevated unnecessarily because he's a Liverpool player and they, they won the Champions League and, and all the, the what the what, it, what isn't that. taken
1: into account is that Jordan Henderson is a Liverpool player and won the Champions League and therefore you maybe need to reassess your, your view of him because that is not something that happens to everyone and not everyone is Jimmy Traore you do get some players who aren't great who aren't even that good by professional football standards who win trophies but you don't have the career Henderson's had, without being a great player. It's it it is not possible. You you can't fluke your way for that long. I think the ish- Henderson's an interesting example. There is the Liverpool factor, but it's also that I think that even people who aren't necessarily totally anti-Liverpool look at Henderson and think, I don't get it. How's that? How's this happened? Because there was that stuff about Ferdy thinking him, thinking he had a weird gait when he was at Sunderland, and you look at him and you think, well, he doesn't ever play killer passes, and he doesn't doesn't score a lot of goals, can't shoot from range, he's not a kind of midfield hard man. He look, people basically see him, see him as a runner, and the worst type of runner, a weird runner. And, yet, and that seems to preclude people assessing, look, there must be something about this guy that, that lots of these managers like, England and Liverpool, and that has enabled him to be a part of winning teams for so long. And that, to me, suggests that you, you need to maybe look at Look at kind of your criteria for what. But for he's what an you're essential them by. part of a winning team because yeah. he's not actually. But he's not a great. He's not Mane. He's, he's not Salah. He's not Firmino. But he's such an important part of a successful team. Henderson's Henderson's not won nearly as much as Pedro, obviously. Mm. So it's not really a fair comparison at this point in their careers. You, you'd have to say Pedro is streets ahead of Henderson. Different positions, but in terms of their contributions to, to kind of collective greatness. But Henderson's in that same kind of category that he's he's not a great. No one's going to sort of go down the list of sort of Liverpool's best ever and say Jordan Henderson, ahead of Graeme Sinness or whoever. Jimmy Case. Jimmy Case. Mm. But that shouldn't preclude him from being distrusted in those kind of similar terms of, of that he's a great player and that he's a world-class player.
0: I wonder whether when Micah Richards talks about him being world-class, he's analysing what he does in the way that maybe a scout mm. would analyse a player that they were looking at in terms of, we need somebody... Because scouts watch the game very differently to even how a coach or or a former player a former player turned pundit would watch mm. it and certainly considerably differently to either a fan or fans as we are who watch, might watch the game for professional reasons, is that they're looking for the specific jobs that they do and what they might be able to bring to the team that they are scouting on behalf of. Mm. And if you were looking for a Jordan Henderson-type player, well, then Jordan Henderson is world-class within that category yeah. because nobody is doing that job better than he is. Well, so if you had been... Georgina Alden, but yes, point taken. But if you... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it depends
2: what Jürgen Klopp thinks on any given uh, weekend. Just to
0: show you how Rory has changed, he sent me looking for his coffee earlier, which he'd left on the side and had to reheat it. You know, the man—the man, the man <laughs> no has one transformed no on one, the back. No one told me
1: that I had a coffee. I, I, I felt like it was just pla- there. I
0: thought I thought placing it in front of you, Steve. Is, I know you these trophies sil- that bit of silverware, has diva. Transformed and I don't mean Jeffrey.
3: <laughs> what a diva! You click your fingers and Stephen had to go running off to get your coffee. I didn't
1: realise it
0: made me a coffee. I've been up and down like a yo-yo. You've changed, man. Mm -hmm. But say, Jordan Henderson is world-class within those parameters. But if you are talking about, just in general terms, the way most people would watch the game, how they analyse a midfielder, he obviously falls some way short of that.
1: But what's really interesting on that is, so if we accept there's different parameters for different positions and that they shift with time depending on the the calibre of the competition. So if you've got... a at the moment there probably aren't that many brilliant left backs knocking about Geordie Alba, well, David the, Alba. they all have roughly the same but name. But
2: if you just very quickly as an aside on the left backs, if you if you the B, the BBC have got a team of the decade as as most people mm-hmm. have, but the BBC have got one that you can select yourselves. And the list that they have for potential left backs are are not you, you, you basically don't want to pick any of them. Is that pre, it? Premier League only. Premier and that's League team? Tail of the decade. End, that's tail end, but the, prom, but the still problem, problem is, is that there has been there has been nobody in that list. And obviously they've thought very long and hard about the potential uh, left-backs who you could put in that team. Probably the most consistent great player out of all of them is a right-back, César Peliqueta. He he probably gets in that team because of the lack of others. There are those who have peaked at certain points during the decade, but for the last 10 years consistently, you don't really have one. So there's an example of a position, unlike Paolo Maldini when Chinch was playing, there is an example of a position where it is difficult to find any great players because there is a dearth and therefore César Peliqueta becomes a great left back
1: but if we accept so if we accept that that positions you can be world class within your position and that, that what it takes that it's marked on a curve basically so what it takes to be world class in your position changes depending on everybody else's performances there is then the issue of kind of what percentage of those players are then considered world class in general how much how much do we have to limit that term is it is it the case that if you're in the top five or ten or generally around that conversation in your position you should be entitled to be called world class in general
3: and the
2: next and 10 20 are great
1: <laughs> do, you, do you think we use the term far too liberally
3: though as well that everybody's world class everything's brilliant there is a tendency Football to blow stuff all, yeah, yeah yes. and we're getting carried a bit too far with this
2: this is why we have linked it to the commentaries because that the liberalism with which certain commentators and co-commentators use the word mm-hmm. that has now infected the way that we use it when we are trying to uh, talk about a player's value and their qualities. But we they use, use it the word far too much. No disrespect, we but use they use the word because the because threshold they, is reached far too quickly. But if
3: you're, if you're talking about co-commentators, they use the word because they don't have the vocabulary to but use another but word. But it's
2: also exactly the same. It's not necessarily a vocabulary issue. It's a nuance issue about discussing a player. You call them great far too quickly because you can't think of a better way of describing yes. their value to a team or their intrinsic. Your job is to that do
3: that. Have. Your job is to do that. Is to find the extra words because everybody just takes an hour
0: to
2: decide it's, how to yes. do it when we're describing football. Yes.
0: Particularly <laughs> but, yeah. but as we've sort of already discussed, great is the the line in the sand, isn't it, in terms of your point of reference if you're talking about vocabulary? Because good doesn't seem like a satisfactory description, even Fine. though it probably would be. So, good, if, good, good would be
2: a more appropriate so I, starting point. Ve- very good might be the first so step. So, if
3: I described a cross or a header as intelligent or considered, is that not enough? Is that's, that to, to me? It says everything. If I yeah. say that's a really intelligent cross or that's a really considered header, to me, I'm, I'm getting beyond just saying. I could easily just say it's great, and you can see. Well, yeah, it's pretty good. But I'm trying to say again the nuances of, of how it's, it's come about, why it's great. So, what word can describe what they do that? that that kind of d- describes it better. Well, it, but it's,
1: just that. That it's making that, it's making that, I mean, I'm not a or a comms, mm. but it's making that leap, isn't it? It's thinking, right, so I, i qu- making it quickly, just talking about football simultaneously as football happening is very hard. But it's making that leap to say, right, I, I have identified that that was a very good piece of play, mm. a great piece of play. Why do I think it's great? Ah, it's because the header was considered. It's because the, cro- the cross was, was devilish. It's did you see uh, the Neil, Neil Mopé's
3: header against Arsenal for Brighton? I did. Aaron Moy whips the ball in. I think Moy is moving. Um, Mope is moving away from goal, but he glances the ball into the. Fo- to me, that's yeah. a incredibly intelligent, considered. Yes, it's great. But just to say, I, I don't think it does it justice to say it's a great header. That doesn't really explain. So as a former player, you should be trying to find a way to say, well, why has he done what he's done? And he's done it in, he's instinctively and on He's not just done it by accident. He's done it because there's pace on the ball. He knows he's under pressure. All he can do is, is help the ball on glass. He's, he's done this and he's thought about what he's doing in literally a split second. So I'm trying to find a way as a former player to explain what a current player? Why he's doing what he's doing? Great thought,
0: doesn't do it justice. I thought Hugh got the promotional stuff out of the way earlier. Sorry. What you're what you're effectively doing now is explaining to us why you're an exceptional coach. No, no, no. I'm well, explaining may, why I use no, but it,
3: it's not exceptional to use the right words in a certain sentence. Surely that's not that's not exceptional. Is but it
1: it, it take, I think in that job it probably takes quite a lot of eloquence and articulacy and also speed of thought to think P-
2: planning of, preparation of what. Well, just no, but you can't, you but, can't but plan you in do. the moment, can you? Yeah, but you do, because you say, I'm not going to say the word great. I'm not going to say yeah. the word mm. great. And so you think about in advance, or you just read, um, the possible alternatives to great, and then you'll apply, because you've got them in your memory bank, you apply them uh, suitably to what you see. So Maybe you should write a thesaurus for co-commentators. <laughs> that's <laughs> but great. that's what they, d- again,
3: with Great idea. in some of the, the conversations I've with, with the new guys coming along, I keep saying to them about listening to the radio, watch TV, pick up words. For for the same thing, have five or six words for the same thing. But actually, but going just, from great, the right going ones. from great to intelligent or considered, it, it's it's not well. Great, can I not say good or brilliant? No, but yeah, they're the same thing. Considered and intelligent are not the same as great. So again, it's, it's it's changing it completely how you think about. But again, it's it's the it's the job. It's defining mm-hmm. the job and then saying, as a former player, your your job is to try and get into the heads of the players out on their pit and explain to the viewing public who don't play the game what the player has just done and why he's done it.
0: Command of vocabulary and your breadth of vocabulary in terms of your understanding of the language is not something, though, that you can pick up in a short space no, of no, time. No, that you've got something... to read a
3: lot of Reacher. Exactly, <laughs> but... or maybe don't read a lot of Reacher.
0: <laughs> I think for a for a footballer retiring in their mid thirties to suddenly think, do you know, what I need to broaden my horizons in terms of the words I use is, is a to go big back to challenge. School. It's not something that you you're need gonna... to go back to school. It's something that you could. It's something you should do to develop as a pundit or a co-commentator to have that vision beyond the end of your playing days that you can't just live on your knowledge of the game from having been in the dressing room that you will need to get better at, at the job that you are now looking to pursue. Mm. But it, And and the other th- thing you have to think about in, in that regard is, is the audience. Who are you talking to? Because, you, you, you know, yes, you want to be able to use... Words that better describe what is happening than just "great," but equally, you don't want to go so far that yeah. you start to alienate those members of the audience who don't have that breadth of vocabulary.
3: Yeah, if, if you say "considered," then you explain what you mean by yeah. that, and it is easy it's easy to explain. But it.
1: it's it's also it's not just a, a commentary thing. It's it's the entire kind of climate of the media and the way we talk about football, and not and not just it's actually not just a media thing. It's everyone. Everything has to be. It's it's genius or fraud syndrome isn't it everything has to be either amazing mm. or dreadful and there's no in the same way so good doesn't count as good sounds like he's a good player I'm sure I've been criticised on, um, on Twitter before for saying someone is a good player sounds a bit dismissive now. it sounds slightly <laughs> dismissive but, but that's because we're so used to this kind exactly. of hyperbolic that,
2: that's the, the bar we were talking yeah. about the mm. bar has gone so low that now if you just say good or even very good you're, you're struggling to, to beat away those people who are saying you're damning them with faint
0: praise yeah I think if, if a manager is on the phone to his chief scout Getting a report on a player that he sent him to watch, good would probably he's be a player. word he'd expect to hear. He wouldn't expect the, the, the chief scout at the other end to say he's great or he was world class because they no. would understand that to be hyperbole. Really, they they would they want to know that that person can do the job that they require. Them competition to do, so. therefore, good
1: is probably an appropriate Fun, description. Funnily enough, I think I think clubs struggle with that a little bit as well. Because they're not immune to it. So quite a lot of clubs, when they're scouting, will have a like a labelling system on their internal software whereby they, it'll be like A, B, C, D, or 1, 2, 3, 4, or green, yellow, blue, red, or whatever. But they'll give one to the players who they're not interested in. Let's do numbers. Two will be good. Three will be like really good. And four will be amazing, like definite signing. But having spoken to quite a few different clubs who use similar systems, they don't really understand what the difference between... There's so much of it's subjective, and there's such there's actually such fine gradations between those three categories B- because of what we said right at the start, which is that they're all quite good at football. So it's really hard to and be like, to be certain of how good at football they are because you watch them but and but they're but all Sure, But surely good at if you're
3: looking at a left-back, you, you, you can categorise what a left-back in, in the modern game should have. It's a boxing exercise to say, well, you know, positionally, pace... Oh, there's loads of things you can go into any position. Yeah, Surely they
2: break it down and say, oh, yeah, "Is yeah, he yeah. doing this? This?" There must but be the ten over, categories. The overall for a grade they yes. give them, and then, is then they decide. Yes. But also four, for example, in your exa- uh, the, the way that you played that out for me. Four, four, I have, four I have is four. definite I have four. change. Excellent. Four might be way beyond what that club, who yes, is looking for, can yeah, afford. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it might be that two is exactly what they can afford, and so they're looking the best for the best good player because yeah. they don't work in the realms of great or, or brilliant or amazing, and and I think it just. On the descriptive element, it's, it's up to all of us, not just commentators and co-commentators, to maybe think of uh, slightly more words than just great, and that would help this argument that we're having. Um, but I want to end the argument by talking about managers and teams briefly, because there are fewer of them, so therefore is it easier for us to determine whether they are great or a great? Also, the, the issue about being a great when you're a manager can't necessarily do that after their career because their career goes on yeah. longer in their life. This similarly with, with teams, we have to wait to see when that generation ends. But do we, are we better because we use it less frequently at describing a manager or a team as uh, a great team uh, or a great manager?
1: Uh, the risk of being massively repetitive on something we, we can't constantly come back to and that always makes us sound a bit like we're kind of positioning ourselves above the fray, which is not really what we mean to do. The problem that you find with, with teams is there is a complete... There is eight, there's, the, there's the tribal thing which is obvious so people are unwilling to recognise the greatness of other teams which as, as a football fan personally i've always found a bit a bit odd because if my team's getting beaten by somebody else i'd really like them to be an all-time great <laughs> team it makes me feel a lot better about myself but also i think there's a kind of there's a there's a kind of nostalgia historical problem so when man city the two years that they won the premier league with 100 points then 98 points the last two seasons by any sort of sensible measure, that makes them one of the greatest teams of all time, without a shadow of a doubt, and the results are absurd. But you looked at when, when the papers and the BBC and whoever else ran those kind of, are, are Man, how do Man City compare to the great Premier League teams? You looked at this kind of, there was there was this real belief that, you know, they wouldn't have been a patch on United's 99 team or United's 94 team or Chelsea under Mourinho.
2: And you think, well... two, or two Those first two examples, when they were winning the league with, 76 to points. 85 yeah. points. And so. I mean,
1: if we're all completely honest, Manchester City 2018 would murder Manchester United 1994. I, Ab- I, absolutely so I was asked them. about this
3: and I said they are. And it wasn't anything to do with points, it's how they play. Yeah. And they wouldn't allow that United team to play because no. they wouldn't have the ball. No. So again, that's why I said, against different eras and everything else, but that's why I said they're the greatest Premier League team at that point that I'd seen yeah. because of their ability
1: to deny the opposition but so, so, you you
2: have that twin thing you, you of you Yeah, you have the yeah, tribal problem the where past. people
1: don't want to accept that teams they don't support are great, which is unavoidable. But you also have this massive bias towards the the past and kind of your your kind of. Dewy-eyed, rosy, rose-tinted view of your own childhood. So, in the same way as we talk about kind of the Brazil 1970 team, I know it's a stupid conversation, but they wouldn't stand a chance against the, against Spain of 2010 because the Spain team of 2010 is so much fitter and better organised. If you watch the 19, 1970 World Cup final, they're all walking around. It looks like that Barclays advert. And
2: we've had we've had a conversation about that, about trying yeah. to compare players from different generations and saying it's a completely futile it is, exercise. It is, it is, but it, it changes, it. The, it changes
1: <laughs> what we mean by great because you, you're you're up against this kind of perfect model from the past and, and, and people don't want to take into account kind of a how the games change but they also want to diminish the achievements of the teams but, in the present.
2: but also the comparisons are different so for example if you're talking about a Liverpool team you are comparing to a lot of very good Liverpool teams if you're comparing a Manchester City team you don't necessarily compare to anything other than the late 60s early 70s Manchester City team so it's an easy argument to make but there that when you're discussing a, a manager or a, or a team, perhaps you have fewer comparisons and therefore it's easier to determine the difference. We're back to the Jordan Henderson conversation again. Just,
0: just Rory talking about the bias of nostalgia and looking back on the great teams and they sort of become even greater as the years go by. It can be quite useful, of course, can't it, in terms of establishing whether some somebody or something has been world-class by yep. giving it the benefit of a few years going by. But then I think we're also seeing a bias towards the contemporary all of a sudden because during the 2018-19 season, there were discussions about whether Manchester City... And Liverpool was the greatest Premier League rival ever. Yeah. Like, well. No. no, it's not <laughs> no. even probably the greatest Premier League rival of the last five or six yeah. years yet. But we're, we're now drilling it down into what is happening right
2: here, right now.
1: Is this the greatest week of the Premier League <laughs> season? <laughs> but
2: that's exactly an example of using the word great when we shouldn't be using the word yeah. great. It is at the moment between Manchester City and Liverpool, an incredibly intense rivalry. It is being felt at a time where tribalism is incredibly raw and it is being played out in all manner of public arenas. It is, yes, it is intense, there is great hatred but that, uh, hopefully, is a correct use of the word great. But it is not a great rivalry when you compare it to all this. So it's the but I suppose if, you've only, got a, if you've only got a
3: two-horse race, the media will play their part in this and think, well, there's not four or five teams going yeah. win
1: this. We've got to ramp this up
3: as yes, to being the best use the of the word best great. Of
2: the rest. It's using the word great when other words but should be yes, used. Yes, absolutely. Just like absolutely. your example. It's, yeah, it's lazy. lazy.
1: Steve's quite right that there is a desire to, to sell everything. And you have this twin... There's Maybe, maybe the, the nostalgicising is the natural state of the fan that nostalgia is and it's, it's not necessarily there's a there's a there's two types of nostalgia they talk about in academia one is is restorative which is negative and it's the kind of nostalgia that leads people to vote through the brexit party and want no immigrants that's bad but there's also a, a more positive type of nostalgia in which you take the present take the past and the present and use that as a roadmap to the future that's a good thing to do that um, and I think with with a lot of that Footballs In football, it's not bad. It's nice to revere the past and to revere the heroes of your childhood. It's a good thing, and it's nice to kind of make that mental leap where you think it doesn't really matter that the Brazil 1970 team were all massively overweight compared to the Spain 2010 and team. Smoking on the and pitch. smoking on the pitch, and <laughs> they were all up all night, all night before before games and stuff. That's probably a libel. Never mind. The, <laughs> Not, they, they might have f-
2: had t- terrible, terrible d- uh, ability to sleep because they were But nervous. also,
1: they were playing on much worse pitches with much worse, with much, much heavier balls. The, the, you know, the conditioning was, was different and the, the, the nature of the game was different. So it's nice to, to make those mental leaps to try and kind of nostalgicize and glorify the past. I think the problem is we have this present that is oversold and fans understand in, deep down that it's oversold. So they retreat more into the nostalgia. But at the same time, you have a conversation. Football is a product that is sold to us. So you have the Sky sell football every game. Football has basically become that Mitchell and web sketch, which we talked about a lot, and everyone knows that reference now. But it, it is this kind of, this is everything has to be titanic. And that brings with it silly conversations about whether what's happening today is the greatest thing that has ever happened. But it also maybe gets a reaction from fans where they think, actually, I want to think more about what used to be. Is, is this why we see fans wearing the retro kits maybe more and more? Because they, they realise what's happening in the present day and they, they want to relive and get away from that,
3: yeah, is that maybe s-
1: yeah yeah well also but I think that's also partly a statement of how long you've been around yes oh, okay. it's a badge okay. of honour isn't yeah, it it's
2: yeah. to, a lot of nostalgia is to say well I was around to watch Brazil 1970 so therefore you weren't I'm going to say Brazil 1970 because I have a better experience of a game and I'm mm-hmm. you know yeah. so th- there is a yes there is a kind of a negative aspect of trying to of one-upmanship trying to prove mm. that you know more or you have better experiences uh, mm-hmm. thank you everybody it's now time for something which is great uh, never mind Jack and Ori what a soccer story this is mm. an Andy Tales mm-hmm. tale from his playing days with all adult behaviour and libel-worthy details removed we will give you a grade which okay. is not using the word great mm. after this
3: the, the recent Manchester derby in which um, United sadly beat City uh, Greg Whelan who does a lot of features for Sky um, spoke to me about six weeks before the game and said he wanted to do <clears throat> this big feature on the, the 89 the 5-1 game and go back to that time and, you know, what it was nostalgia. like.
2: Nostalgia
3: and the, the music, the Stone Roses and what it was like with this young city team. So he came up to Manchester and, and spoke to myself and, and Paul Lake. So we did um, our thoughts on the game and, and the time and what it meant for, for players of our age to be playing for the team. So I've done all my, my usual stuff about how great it was and everything else. And mentioned that I was uh, 21 at the time that I played in the 5-1 game and, and scored the best goal in the game yeah, Mark Hughes, you're not. Uh, you haven't got the best goal in the game. It was mine. Anyway, so I, I said I was 21. So actually, when the piece went out on Soccer Saturday, exactly yeah, when well, the piece was out on Soccer Saturday. Um, I'm watching it and I, I didn't notice it at all. So afterwards, it's a great, it's a great story. It's not just about me and, and, and Lakey. Mark Hughes is interviewed as well and it's talking about Michael Knighton and, and all the kind yeah. of what was swirling around and how City were approaching it differently to United at that time. And uh, I texted Greg and said, a "Brilliant, because his features are great. And I said, that's really, really great. I think you, you captured everything. And he said, did, did you notice I had to, had to dub something that you said? And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, I had, to put, I had to get someone just to change how old you were I said, what do you mean? He said, well, in, in the piece, you said you were 21, but you're actually 20. <laughs> so, uh, I said, hang on a minute. 69. Yeah, I was. So I got the wrong... So rather than me say 21, he's presumably... I don't know who he used. Some whether he did it himself. Some two months to 20. As I said that. <laughs> so he had to get someone but clearly I wasn't There's looking so at someone from, from actually wearing a flat cap 20. I don't know who it was Mick McCarthy 20 <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what happened there. but again uh, why, why did I get why so you're know, just, again you normally when you talk about your age you go low you don't go high but Chins, you've you? always
2: added one you have you always think, added one when you were I? 49 you said you were 50 did when it, you were ah. 39 you said you were 40 so right. you've always added one and now retrospectively you're adding one to what you were at that you've time so ahead, you've always been ahead of your time you?
3: yeah I am about a year ahead of my time but again yes yeah, so we had to get someone I'm going to have to find Find out who this person was. Who was maybe it was Greg himself. Who maybe, there's, to, maybe there's an Andy Hinchliffe impersonator. Is do I have do I say things in a way that someone could ridicule it? Someone, and someone uh, who's me?
1: wandering in the working men's
3: clubs of the northwest. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I got the wrong. My wrong. And with the greatest, probably the greatest game and day of my footballing life, and I got my age wrong. How old they were you? And I had to get you? someone to dub over it. How old That's were you? Spot,
2: spot quiz. You've got to say it straight away. How old were you in 1995 when you won the FA Cup? Um, so
3: 26, right was I?
2: Yes, you're 26.
3: Yeah, just turned 26. In your prime yeah. So actually, Greg was saying, well, 20 clearly is more impressive than... 21. 21 sounds like you're a real man, whereas 20 sounds like you're a little boy. <laughs> so a little boy scoring a diving head of the best goal in the Manchester Derby 5-1 September 89 is clearly better, better than being... Tw- but I got my age wrong. When's your birthday? Which, uh, the 5th of February, the same as uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, Carlos Tevez... Um, oh is it it the 5th February
2: that's got all those players and me
3: and you and me it's a great day all those players and Chinch
2: thank you very much indeed Chinch let's give him a grade that doesn't use the word great it was fine fine good considered Uh, please continue uh, (laughs) sending any soccer stories that you may have to setpiecemenu at gmail.com don't forget if you have a Reacher novel Open it, take a photo, send it to us. Andy will read it. Please subscribe, share, rate, and review. As we humbly ask you to continue to find room for us in your podcast schedule. Thank you to Rory, Stephen, uh, Andy, and the FSA Award, and to you all for listening. We'll be back with another set piece many for you to enjoy very soon indeed. So, who who is the greatest coach and the
3: greatest team?
2: Oh dear God!
3: Do we do Cart we have two. is I've there is there, is there one that we just say that's it, or does time change everything? Ginch, we've
0: been doing this for three years now, and in terms of conclusions. We've probably come up with sort of two. <laughs> Why are we going to come up with a conclusion to I don't know, I just thought I'd ask
3: the question because it's just trying to fill time before we uh, we stop podding. And well, start
0: eating. Yeah. Uh, around about the time of the, the Manchester Derby, as always around about the time of the Manchester Derby, the goals from the 5-1 appear on Twitter. So I, I said to Rory and George, do you want to see Chinch score a great goal? So they sat and they watched the, the highlights, all, all six goals from the game, obviously waiting for yours. And when it went in, I said, who scored that one? Mm, don't know. <laughs> I said it's Chinch. What? Chinch? Yeah, yeah. What? Andy scored that goal. Completely bamboozled.
3: What? They they wouldn't have expected me to be they able were, to score. Both
1: Rory and George have always thought you're dreadful in the air.
2: Really?
0: <laughs> just, and, and also, the ball wasn't pick, really in the air. Moving. I, think I just think moving that quickly.
2: Yeah. And also, nobody's had curtains since the late 1990s, (laughs) so they probably just didn't recognize the head. It's all
3: vertical blinds (laughs) these days, isn't it?